Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is back live on this Thursday, December the 28th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett alongside the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, Mr. Eric Hansen. We are together for the next hour. Then I will take the show up until 7 o'clock here on 960 AM WSBT. Live streaming available at WSBTradio.com, our free WSBT radio app. A video feed of Eric's very attractive forest green shirt on the Twitch app. I've just got an old school weekday sports beat sweatshirt on. This thing might be 15 years old, but it still looks good, right? It's a fashion statement. I'm talking to my computer instead of the microphone. <laughs> Darren wasn't sure if I'd compliment the shirt, so he didn't remind me to move the mic over. He I figured thought, I'm an adult. I should be able to figure that out myself. I thought you were doing a thing. I'm in El Paso right now. <laughs> I'll be talking like this the whole show. All right. Great to have you on board once again here on WSBT Radio. We do not have a sports beat show tomorrow because the official Notre Dame football post game show will be airing in our time slot. They'll be doing what we would have been doing. But Eric, Tyler Hork, and I will have game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. I'll be frank, designing the show, there's not a lot of X's and O talk on Notre Dame, Oregon State. We're talking about. Big picture items for this Notre Dame football team. The impact that Mike Denbrock could have on this football team as the new offensive coordinator and tight end coach. So we'll be just spitballing. Is that what we say? We just kind of we'll throw around some ideas. We'll kick around some opinions and we'll have some fun looking ahead to spring practice, which will be here before you know it. And Texas A&M lost their game before the Notre Dame game last night to Oklahoma State. Hopefully, they'll have more than three active wide receivers for the Notre Dame game compared to the Oklahoma State 
contest. Advantage game chat recap. We've got our Twitter question of the day to get to coming up in a little bit here on WSBT Radio. Eric, just from your standpoint, you're someone that puts a lot of content daily on your website at InsideIndieSports.com. With this game being different from the standpoint of all the opt-outs on both sides, I have a feeling this game at times is going to feel like a spring scrimmage, but it does count. You have a chance to get to 10 wins if you're Notre Dame, so there's a lot to accomplish for players to show the coaches what they can do looking ahead to 2024. I'm just wondering, as someone that drives the boat, you and Tyler James at InsideIndieSports.com, do you treat this game any differently at all in the way you attack it, writing about it, and everything that comes after it? I would say yes. And and here, I think, is probably the difference in that we're not getting into the weeds as much in yep. terms of the details. We're trying to kind of keep it more big picture, keep reset. You know, we have something on our message board. We have an opt-outs thread so that we update that with, you know, who the opt-outs are for both sides. And yesterday I put depth charts for our readers and I highlighted the new starters because there's some injury-related yeah. ones too, just so they could kind of visualize and see what position groups were affected the most. I didn't do it with the backups. So those are the kinds of things. Um, the storylines are different, and there's been so many big storylines outside of the game that have been going on in December. I can never remember even the the year that Marcus got hired with Brian Kelly leaving, I'm not sure that this December was less hectic than that or yeah, was yeah, less hectic. I think this was more hectic yeah. than that one. I can't do the math there, but um <laughs> just with the offensive coordinator departure, the offensive coordinator debate that led up before the departure, Chancey Stuckey, the wide receivers coach getting fired all the people jumping in the portal early this year, the new strength coach. I mean, it's just been a lot of stuff, and it and it bleeds into the big picture of Notre Dame. Mike Denbrock's hiring answered a lot of questions about Notre Dame's commitment to giving Marcus what he needed and all the things that go with that. Riley Leonard and Bo Collins coming through the transfer portal to Notre Dame answered some questions about Notre Dame's administration supporting Marcus in terms of widening the transfer pool without compromising what Notre Dame is. So there's all these things going on. Oh, yeah, and there's a game. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, I know Marcus Freeman met the media today down in El Paso. He was asked several questions about his new offensive coordinator and tight end coach, Mike Denbrock. I've been wondering... Was there any communication between the two last year after Tommy Reese departed for Alabama and before Jared Parker was eventually hired? And Marcus Freeman was asked that. They call this the the fringe part of the press conference where he kind of steps away and then a whole bunch of other people ask him a few questions before he completely walks off so it's not on mic anymore. It's probably not on the YouTube video. But he said he didn't, you know, that those guys have had a relationship, and I know this, that they talk about once a week uh, during the season, during the offseason. And, and Mike wasn't really in a position 
I don't think that he would have been able to leave LSU last year. He was under contract. Now, you can break contracts and you can pay um, buyouts, but I think it would have been more awkward after the first year to do that. Yeah, And and maybe Mike had given um, Brian Kelly his word that he'd stay for a couple of years, you know, that he'd stay through his contract and give him some continuity and and so forth but it didn't come up last year and many reasons to stay if you're Mike Denbrock at LSU before right. last year I mean right. and he probably made a couple of extra nickels by staying and working yeah. with Jane Daniels one more year <laughs> exactly because he was in much more demand outside of LSU I mean it wasn't just LSU Mississippi State tried to hire him Texas A&M gauged his interest and he went walked down that road a little bit and then uh Notre Dame, Marcus, Marcus Freeman called him directly to measure his interest. Didn't need to go through third parties and said, I want you here. And that's what started things. And that happened Monday night, I believe. So, What are you looking forward to with Steve Angeli tomorrow? This is a unique game for him. I'm not sure this helps his Notre Dame resume. It could, I guess, in the battle for the backup job next year. But if he wants to be a starting quarterback someday, this might be some awfully good tape to have if he's going to pursue other opportunities down the line. Well, yeah. I mean, and even if he decides to stay at Notre Dame, you know, quarterbacks get hurt. Riley Leonard missed almost half a season this year and played some of the latter games of of the times that he did play less than hundred percent. And so Duke was down to its third string quarterback at the end of the year. So him looking good for Notre Dame or somebody else, I do think is important for him to have a game where he's the center of the game plan, where people are trying to get him to play left-handed, meaning playing to his weaknesses. um, I think is important for him. And I'm really curious to see, his growth, because every time it seems like I've seen him in a position where I've gotten to see a larger sample size of him, he seems like he's gotten better. And it's important for him because not only is he trying to challenge Riley Leonard, he's trying to hold off the two guys behind him and Kenny Minchin and C.J. Carr. So he's positioned himself well this certainly helps, but I don't think this redefines Steve Angeli. Okay, we're going to do the advantage game, but I'm going to ask questions about the Notre Dame football team as we go through this because I'm not sure this is the most exciting advantage game, breaking down <laughs> Notre Dame, do Oregon State. you want me to State. sing my answers with that oh, help? That would be good, if, if you would not mind. Absolutely. I mean, for the, I think the listeners would mind. For the video audience, if you want to take off that green shirt and wave it above your head as you talk about Steve Angeli. Okay, that would really get people hey, upset. I'm in. I'm here for our listeners. If, if you want him to do it, just send me some messages and we'll get it done. All right. So we'll just have a conversation about Notre Dame football as we talk a little about the Sun Bowl between Notre Dame and and Oregon State. I can see your grandkids. Do it, Grandpa. Do it. Do it. All right. I think they probably vote for that, weirdly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's begin talking about the Sun Bowl tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. Oregon State went 8-4 and four during the regular season. A unique situation. Their top two quarterbacks will not play. So their third string, who played 10 games last year and threw 176 passes, but only one pass this year, Gets back in the saddle, which is unique in itself. 
But let's start with Oregon State running the football. And this conversation could be a whole lot different if their starting running back was going to play in this game. We didn't think he was going to play, then he was going to play, and now he's not going to play. Right. So sophomore Damian Martinez, he's really good. He rushed for almost 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, about six yards a carry. He was all Pac-12 running back, and the Pac-12 had a lot of really dynamic offensive players. So for him yeah. to be first-team first, first team all Pac-12 is a big deal. So he had a DUI arrest in his home state of Texas. Those charges ended up being dismissed. He had been suspended. But he was away from the team all that time, didn't practice, didn't condition. And so Kafensa Henson, the Oregon State interim head coach, said, you know what, I just don't think it's in, in his best interest yep. to play. You're a running back, you take a lot of hits. You really are risking injury if you haven't been conditioning and so forth. So he sits out. Um, their backups are both big backs, 6'2", 225. So they're going to try to pound at Bully Notre ball. Dame's defense. Uh, and one of them's experience, one of them's not. But uh, Notre Dame is pretty decent in run defense. They got better at the end of the year. They were 33rd. Oregon State was 34th in rush offense during the year with all its players. But here's where the big difference is. Three big-time starters missing from Oregon State's offensive line, including an All-American. Left tackle. So, you and, and going against Notre Dame's front seven with its defensive line starters completely intact, including All-American Hourcross, Riley Mills, JJB and Jordan Botello. I I give Notre Dame the check mark here. That's that's I think a mismatch. Let's talk about that Irish defensive line for a moment. Eric, what a coup for Coach Washington, Coach Golden, Coach Freeman to not only get one of their two interior defensive linemen back, but you're gonna get both back, Howard Cross and Riley Mills. If they both would have said, you know what, we're off to the NFL, I wouldn't have been shocked at all. So yeah. I was hoping for one. Christmas came early. Eric, to get both of those guys back, that really sets you up. And the new guy, defensive end R.J. Oban's going to be like, oh, my gosh, Christmas did come early for me as well because that's only going to help him when you get to game day. Absolutely. The other thing about that, Darren, is I don't know that there are be better players in the portal than those to you know to replace them and then you also keep the continuity and the leadership of those two so wow what a big coup that was for those two to be coming back I want to ask you about Josh Burnham yeah because this is going to be an interesting sun bowl for him yeah he's a guy that is a backup viper yep but he is going to spend a little time at the field defensive end spot where Javante Jean-Baptiste, of course, was playing this year. So what is your read on the situation? Are they trying him out to possibly be the starter there opposite of Oban at the Viper? Or is this just kind of like Chris Terry, let's try him at wide receiver, and if it sticks, we'll keep him there. What is your read on this Burnham move? I think R.J. Oban is going to end up at the field. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. I think Botello, Junior Tua Alamaca, 
uh, Bubakar Traore, that group, I think they're going okay. to – they've got enough Vipers there. Um, Logan Thomas coming in yeah. is going to be a Viper. So and that makes the Burnham move even more interesting then, It right? is because, well, you know, it was a, a, they like to rotate. And if Burnham is the first guy up behind R.J. Oban, then that's a pretty good spot for him to be in. And then he's ready to move into the starting position the following year. Okay. Um, because you have some people that might fit there. Uh, Brendan Vernon, we thought was either going to play that position or he was going to end up moving inside. But when we went to the practice that was in South Bend that was open to the media for a little bit, Brendan Vernon was working out with the injured guys. So it doesn't look like he will play in this game. You got another guy, Tyson Ford. Is he inside? Is he outside? And I think they'd like to keep him inside on an inside track. You have another guy, Aiden Gobira, who's missed the whole season with a torn ACL, and when we were at the practice, he was still with the injured guys, which we expected. So he's not back yet. So there are some hmm. interesting options. And then you got Bryce Young coming and Bryant Young's son, who is a strong side defensive end, that field end. But you would like to bring him along slowly and to have him be kind of the third option there would be interesting. But Burnham... It'll be really interesting to see if he fits over there. He's a little light for that. He's a little okay. under 250 right now, but he's 6'4". He's got some length, um, and he probably, you know, Al Golden was saying he's probably going to be 255 next year and carry that well. He's an interesting guy because he was a high school linebacker who out of necessity played quarterback for one of the best teams in Michigan. So that shows you what a hmm. breathtaking athlete he is. And then to have that athleticism at that field end position, I, I'm I'm buying stock in Josh Burnham, and I think I want to see that in this game. That's one of the things that I'll be watching is how he plays behind Javante Jean-Baptiste. So are you buying stock in Burnham the way you bought stock in Watts a couple of years ago at safety? Yes. Oh, okay. So it's that level. All right. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to end up being a unanimous no. All-American, <laughs> nor did I think that with Watts, but I thought Watts could be a starter and be really good. And he even exceeded my expectations yeah. there. Look at that. I asked him about Josh Burnham. You got the entire depth chart at the Viper and the field <laughs> defensive end in that answer. That's well, awfully good. You know, I'm I mean I, I will I want to say this about Al Washington. I said going into the year that he had something to prove and he said, you know what, Eric Hansen, shut up. I did. And he did. He did. Now can he recruit at a higher level? Yes, but he still recruited at a pretty good level. I think people are upset that Notre Dame didn't reel in Justin Scott from Chicago. But you know what? He kind of flaked out on yeah. Ohio State, too. And you just kind of go, okay, was is that addition by subtraction as talent as he is? Um, I've had a scout evaluator from Illinois say the competition level he faced was so weak that he did not give full effort at all times. And you worry about that. Is that going to go away coming to the collegiate level? So food for thought. All right, so advantage game, Oregon State runs the football, check mark Notre Dame. Now to Oregon State. They're going to throw the football. It'd be kind of fun to have DJU at quarterback for Oregon State, but yeah. he is 
opted out. So Ben Golbrinson, who threw 176 passes in 2022 in 10 games, but threw one pass this year. He is the guy, and he'll have to go up against Eric, the number one pass efficiency defense in the country without Cam Hart, but it looks like the replacements are going to be pretty doggone solid in Jaden Mickey, maybe a little Christian Gray. Yeah, you know, and people might say, why didn't they just ride with Ben Gulbertson this year? If he was 7-1, and one, was the Las Vegas Bowl MVP last year. Oregon State really leaned into the run offense last year with Martinez as a younger player and, and the other running backs they had. Yep. Um, and so they just didn't feel like he could win the big games. That If they went up really good run defenses, which there aren't a lot of in the Pac-12, that um, they need to go out and get DJ. And then they got a freshman in Aiden Childs, who's now at Michigan State, <laughs> transferred right after the season, went with uh, Jonathan Smith, their coach. But um, during the year with DJ, they were 51st in pass offense, 36th in pass efficiency. But they are going against the number one pass efficiency defense in the country. It'll be the first time Notre Dame won the statistical, I guess they have to go through the bowl game. I almost don't think the statistics should count in the bowl games. Not it's anymore. So weird. <laughs> but, you know, they are missing Kim Hart out of the back end of that defense. They'll be missing Maris Leofow and what he brought to the second level. But mostly this is an intact defense. You still have your pass rush. You have your All-America safety. Um, you have Ben Morrison and some other really good cornerbacks. So this is a big check mark for Notre Dame. I think it's going to be tough. And again, you have an inexperienced offensive line trying to protect Ben Goldberson. The transfer portal season is still ongoing. It is. Do you think Notre Dame is at least kicking the tires on another safety? Absolutely. Um, and there have been some good ones go in in the last week. We'll kind of get a clear sense right after the bowl game because there's a window for players to visit next week. And so we will see you follow the visits with the transfers. I mean, you can say all you want about having an offer, but transfers are going to go to the places that they're really interested in. And then if they don't choose your school, usually – they're not going to say, yeah, yeah, let me go to some others. Yeah, I, I think I like Notre Dame the best. They're usually not going to move on. They're usually going to stack those visits. Um, and then once they feel like this feels home, they're going to stop. And so okay. we may see a safety or two visit next week and may see another wide receiver visit next week. Oregon State throws the football. Check mark goes to? Notre Dame. All right. Now let's go to the Notre Dame run game without – Audric Estenve, but you look at the depth chart, you're like, hmm. Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price, Ron Payne, Devin Ford. Running back room still is in pretty good shape, but I wonder the new tackles, does that play into the run game having its normal success? I, I think it plays in. So Notre Dame was 32nd in rush offense during the year. They were a little bit better in yards per carry than that. Oregon State was 15th in rush defense during the year. That's the best of any of their opponents. There's some good run teams in the Pac-12 this year. There are, and their defensive line, like Notre Dame's, is intact. 
So, mm-hmm. Notre Dame's inexperienced offensive line versus Oregon State's experienced defensive line. They are missing one of their better linebackers, but their front seven is pretty much intact. And Oregon State is going to look at Steve Angeli. They're going to say, well, there's some uncertainty at wide receiver and tight end. There's some new <laughs> offensive linemen, a new quarterback. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to lean Eight into the run. The we're not going to let you <laughs> just run it down our throat. And so this is a check mark for Oregon State. I, I mean, can Notre Dame run the ball against them? Yes, but Oregon State is going to is going to make you labor. You are going to work for those rushing yards. And I think if Notre Dame has success, it's going to be some home run runs that Jeremiah Love is going to get loose and outrun the secondary. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's weekday sports be going through the advantage game. Notre Dame, Oregon State tomorrow at 2 o'clock on WSBT Radio. Now when Notre Dame throws the football, Steve Angeli at quarterback and... Well, still a handful of wide receivers to throw to. They do. Um, Notre Dame during the season with Sam Hartman play most of the time was number 49th in pass offense, 12th in passing mm. efficiency. And actually, Steve Angeli's numbers helps Notre Dame in that. He actually had a higher pass efficiency rating than did Sam Hartman in his mop-up duty. He completed 75% of his passes. That helps. Mm. Um Oregon State was 57th in pass efficiency defense. And again, look at the quarterbacks that they had to face. Uh, the Fafita kid at Arizona, Penix at Washington. They didn't face Caleb Williams. Bo Nix at Oregon. I mean, they played a lot of the heavy to Cam Ward at Washington State. So they faced some incredible quarterbacks. So that 57 number isn't as bad. Some of their missing pieces are in their secondary, their opt-outs and their transfer portal guys. And so, strangely, with I don't think they have good tape on Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas, at least what they do this year. Matt Salerno's back in the mix. I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and pick Notre Dame in the passing mm. game. I think with Gino Gadouli kind of calling plays here and being able to be a little bit creative and unpredictable, I'm going to give Notre Dame a pencil check mark. <laughs> Who will be Steve Angeli's top target? What's your best guess? Jaden Thomas. Um, even though those guys didn't, you know, work together as much in practice, um, I'm trying to think of the. I, I think Jordan Faison's probably going to get some love from Steve Angeli. So it'll be be interesting. But they've had all December to do this, so. I don't want to get excited about a couple of video clips, but Jaden Thomas looked at 100% full go running routes on some videos yeah. I saw. He looked like the guy we expected. In the in the practice that we saw in South Bend, again, we didn't see a lot of competitive periods. And the one we did, it was red zone um, passing drills, and he looked really good. Hey, that's a good sign. Yeah. All right, so check mark Notre Dame when they throw the football now to special teams. I mean, Oregon State. Who do they have left? Their kicker opted out. He's transferring. <laughs> and their punter, I believe, is hurt. He is not playing. Uh, he's not listed on the depth chart. One of their really good return guys is not there either. I think it's their punt returner. Um, they were pretty decent with special teams during the year. I think Notre Dame has more of their guys in place, so I'm going to go with Notre Dame with special teams. All right, and finally, 
intangibles? Well, I think the intangible here is that I think both teams had a lot of opt-outs, had a lot of key opt-outs. It's going to be like a home game for Notre Dame. El Paso loves Notre Dame. It's a heavy Catholic area. Um, I think Notre Dame is more excited to play in this game. I mean, Oregon State lost its head coach. Yeah. They have their inch, their new head coach was their defensive coordinator, but he has nothing to do with the game other than, you know, being in the parade, I guess. Uh, but he needed to put together a coaching staff and recruits. So he, they had a different interim coach in Kefensa Henson, who was their wide receivers coach. I just think Notre Dame has those kind of intangibles going for them, and they probably ate more Frosted Flakes this week. When Notre Dame hockey played at Michigan State a couple of weeks ago, guess who was the ceremonial puck dropper before one of the games? A Jonathan Smith. The former Oregon State head coach, now the Michigan State head coach. It's amazing how football coaches and college hockey just seem to always collide, isn't it? There were no football coaches at the hockey game that I went to, but we did get to see the penalty kicks from the soccer game live on the Jumbotron. Which was cool, right? It was pretty cool. My grandson loved that. He Good. plays soccer. He's a goalie for his middle school team, and he thought that was pretty cool. I don't know who the Notre Dame students were that called that game on ESPN+, Plus, but they did a marvelous job. That is not an easy sport to call. And yeah. I know I was sitting next to Tony Simeone calling the hockey game on on Peacock that night. I'm like, I don't know who they are, but they are doing a fabulous job. That is one sport I have zero interest in ever trying to call because I couldn't do it, and I thought those young men did a great job. So whoever you were, awesome job. Put it on the resume tape. All right, do you want to make a score prediction for Notre Dame, Oregon State? I do. Um, I went with Notre Dame 26, Oregon State 19, which might be too high scoring, but I think there's going to be some – turnover touchdowns or special teams touchdowns because a lot of new special teams coverage people playing all right so you got irish 26 beavers 19 and i've got irish 24 beavers 13 all right we will take a timeout when we come back a little chat recap shall we sounds great eric answered questions from notre dame fans at insideindsports.com we'll grab a couple answer them next on wsbt I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Uh, here at Notre Dame, to have a chance to play these kind of teams, you have an opportunity to jump up and, and maybe in some ways be a spoiler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're talking about Stanford. Yeah, if you want to ask me a question about Stanford, I'm all ears. I'll pass. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And most of the football players who chose USC over UCLA because it's easier to spell. Oh, gosh. 542. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was that was Charlie Weiss during, I think, the Jimmy Clausen controversy at that time. I'm only going to talk about Stanford. You got a question about Stanford? Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> I don't know who that media member was. I don't recognize the voice, but I don't recognize the voice. Perfect either. answer. He's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, known for writing stories in third person. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board. And Eric has a chat every Wednesday at InsideIndieSports.com. Irish fans around the world get to ask him questions. I've grabbed a few. We'll start with Robert from Lansing. 
And he says, I am thrilled to hear that Mike Denbrock is returning with now a top offensive coordinator in place. What are the chances of retaining Al Golden? Secondly, with the game now being all business, what seems to be the probability that Notre Dame will put out the money for not only the best coaches, but the top athletes? Hmm. So um, let's start with the Al Golden thing. I mean, there's we're hearing rumblings that there might be an extension at in um, in the works, but but I think Al Golden is going to have some opportunities in late January and February to explore whether he wants to go back to the NFL and yeah. be a coordinator. So I I would have said less than fifty percent at the end of the regular season that he'd be back. I probably would move the needle a little bit. 250% maybe, and we'll see if those rumblings get louder after the bowl game. I think we'll get more clarity after the bowl game, even though the NFL carousel hasn't cranked up yet. We're going to know whether he's waiting for that or not waiting for that. And NFL reporters are saying this could be one of the biggest off-seasons of firings of head coaches, which means new staffs are going to be four maybe – 40%, 45%, 50% of the teams, and that leads into what you're talking about with Al Golden. It's it's going to be a while. The second part of his question kind of leaned on is Notre Dame making the kind of commitments from their administration financially and otherwise to have a level playing field. I think that's all what Notre Dame fans want is a level playing yeah. field. They don't necessarily, hey, we want to guarantee. The Denbrock hiring and him being – you know, at least this week until somebody else beats it, being the highest paid offensive coordinator in college football, I think shows that commitment and how quickly they were able to turn that around. There was no stumbling, bumbling, let's think about it. No. It was let's get this done. Um, you look at the caliber of players that are coming through the transfer portal and the different types of players, some underclassmen that don't have their degrees, that's a, a really good sign. As far as NIL, there was a great story from front office sports the other day that I read, and I shared it both on Twitter and Facebook, about how much lying goes on with NIL money that nobody really knows. Even kids lie about how much money they're getting or not getting. Uh, but I will say this. I think Notre Dame is competitive in the NIL space. Uh, I had a talk kind of with – not kind of I was had a talk with Brady Quinn we weren't doing an interview it was at a charity event with the Golics and um, Brady and I happened to run into each other and he's he's now very involved with this collective and he said we're we are very very competitive there Good. is money here because I think a lot of Notre Dame fans were worried about it and they're doing it within the rules they're doing it the Notre Dame way, and they're still very competitive. Don from Scottsdale, Arizona, with two top coordinators, what does Freeman need to do with road games and game management where they need to be? What does he need to do to get them where they need to be? Yeah, I think this offseason they really need to do a, a complete breakdown of what went wrong this year and how do we fix it? And I think having Mike Denbrock on staff is going to help him because Mike has been in a lot of those road environments. He's also known, he's seen 
bad game day operations, really good game day operations he's seen, improving ones. And I think he can really help Marcus with this. But some of the things on the road, and it wasn't like Marcus didn't try new things, but um, in terms of even just when you leave for a road game, how you conduct your business in a road game, just the messaging that you make to your team, I think that's all important. And then the mechanics. I mean, it it was flabbergasting to me, Darren, that Notre Dame didn't have better nonverbal communication in place for the Duke game, that the noise at Duke surprised them, I thought, just showed how much institutional knowledge walked out the door between the end of the Brian Kelly era and the start of the Marcus Freeman era. I think it's good that there was a lot of turnover, but there was hardly any left and I think some of that maybe was taken for granted, and it showed up in games. And with game management of Coach Freeman in some spots against Louisville, for example, yeah. I feel like he is someone that thinks out as much as he can with various scenarios. Yep. And he may go into a game, this is what I want to do. I think he's going to have to learn a little feel. Like a golfer, you got to yeah. have good feel around the greens. I think – He does a great job of trying to evaluate things, how I want to attack things going into a game, but there's got to be a little more feel because that fourth down from your own 35 against Louisville, there was no sense with 10 minutes to go going for it. you got to punt the football. There was time to get the ball back a couple of times. So I think what Marcus did was lean into um, analyst data too much that he was going to let that dictate. And then he gets in the press conference and said, well, this is what the numbers said. And I think I I asked Al Golden about this, not to contradict Marcus's thinking, but just a guy that's been a college head coach for a long time, been an NFL guy, been a defensive coordinator. What do you do? And he's like, I want to know what the numbers are, but then I'm going to make my own decision. So I think it needs to be a tool, not the end-all, be-all decision-maker form. And I do think that's part of game management. Okay, next up, Scuba TV 56 from Tennessee. Do you think Denbrock will change his offensive philosophy at all since he no longer coaches under Brian Kelly? Well, he went to Cincinnati and had some pretty good success yeah, he without had, BK. Yeah, he had uh, several years under Luke Fickle from – uh, 2017 to 2021, so five years with no Brian Kelly. And he's had other periods, although he wasn't an offensive coordinator at that time, where he's learned from other head coaches. He wasn't with Brian Kelly at Cincinnati the first time. They were together at Grand Valley State um, at some points. Uh, so I think Mike Denbrock has a really good idea. I think you collaborate with your head coach too, Darren, I mean, you want to know what Marcus Marcus Freeman, what do you want? What's your philosophy? And then you kind of marry it with that. I think the good thing is I think Marcus trusts Mike Denbrock. I think he'll have a little bit, not a little bit, a lot more rope than Jared Parker. And then you have Gino Gadouli has familiarity with him. Mike Brown has yeah. familiarity. Even Mike Mickens knows probably what Mike Denbrock likes for lunch since they were <laughs> working together. So I think that's interesting too so yeah I think it'll it'll be different but I don't think Mike Denbrock is going to go okay now we're going to be an air raid team (laughs) no not at all Marie from Atlanta what are a couple of things you'd like to see from Notre Dame that will give you added confidence that they will be moving in the right direction and improving for 2024 
Well, I think um, I think that you know when I look at players that I'll answer in terms of players that I think will be interesting to watch. Certainly how the offensive line operates in this really huge disadvantage. If they perform well in this particular instance, I think that's going to be really interesting to me. And how the wide receivers play will also be interesting to me. But in terms of individuals, Charles Jagaza at left tackle, Josh Burnham we mentioned at the field end, Jalen Sneed at linebacker, and Drake Bowen when he rotates in because he could be a starter next year, Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray at the cornerback position opposite Ben Morrison, and Eli Reardon at tight end. Eli Reardon is suddenly your tight end one, which a lot of us thought he eventually would be, but he's taken a, you know, the back road to get there with, with a second ACL injury. All right, Tanker from New Mexico. He wants to know, Eric, with the incoming 24 class having two very elite running backs, how do you envision carries and playing time being split up in the room next year? we got a long way to go before that A&M game, but it is something to think about. There's really a six-headed monster. We had a five-headed monster last year. Right, and so last year – you were a similar situation. Logan Diggs ended up leaving at the end of spring. And then Devin Ford came in as a transfer right after that. So you kept it at, kept the number at five. I think five is the ideal number. You may end up redshirting one. The The good thing about it is Dylan McCullough was pretty good about getting all five of them roles. Devin Ford may be a little bit more involved in special teams than as a running back. Uh, and that may be the fate of one of the freshman running backs. I, I think Kedron Young is probably the one that has, even though Williams maybe is the better overall back, Kedron Young maybe is the short yardage guy that might be able to earn that role. So there's a lot of different jobs. And again, you may have somebody that says, you know what, there's too many running backs here. I'm going to go into the portal among the running backs after spring practice among the running backs that are coming back. So... The good thing is that uh, Dylan McCullough was able to make everybody happy this year for, for a large part. I want to end with this. James from Columbus. He says, my question is a simple one. In parentheses, I hope. He wants to know, Eric, does Notre Dame have everything and everyone in place to make the playoffs next year? He says, coaches, players, administration, support staff schedule, etc." I think from that standpoint, from the external standpoint, I would say yes. From what's the reality? I mean, it's not a video game, and you have some challenges, and you also will have to deal with some injuries, and we don't know where or when those will happen, and that can certainly change the trajectory. But I would say it's reasonable to expect that this team will be in the mix for the 12-team playoff that they will compete for a playoff spot. Now, they're going to have to go out and do it. And the way their schedule sets up, they almost have to go undefeated. Or if they have one loss, it has to be right at the beginning of the season. And this is why you have Texas A&M right at the beginning, Darren, and then you have what looks like winnable games. Now, there's going to be somebody that's way better than we thought that's in the middle there. Let's respect Louisville. Maybe yeah. they figure out a way. Yeah. they Whatever they've done 
in the last few weeks, don't do that, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're but, um, but then you get into November and a couple of the games are Florida State at home in November and USC on the road. You almost, it, it's hard to lose those games and not drop yeah. precipitously. You know, you certainly couldn't lose both of them. And then if you lose to one of them, you have to hope that's also a playoff team. With the 12-team dynamic, it's a little bit different. But it gets dicey if you lose on rivalry weekend when a lot of teams are moving up and down in and out of that 12-team lineup. So, yeah, I do think that there is the talent. And with Mike Denbrock as the offensive coordinator, I feel a lot better that the offensive line play will be pretty good by the time they get to November and maybe a little bit dicey in September and October. All right, 555, Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you for all the questions, all the answers, all the exclamation points. Go to InsideIndieSports.com. I'll add one thing, yeah. too. If Xavier Watts comes back, their defense should be good enough to have them in every game, and then it's just how much can the offense evolve. I'm going to add one more thing. The A&M game looks more winnable also. Yeah. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Jay Bateman is their new defensive coordinator. It's not like he tore it up at Florida or at North Carolina. So Denbrock versus Bateman, I know Elko will have an influence on the defense, but I'm just saying that's – if you're adding Denbrock and their addition is Bateman, advantage Notre Dame, in my humble opinion. When it still seems like they're losing guys out of the portal every oh day. Gosh, unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout. Twitter question of the day next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com and the guy who broke the Mike Denbrock story coming back to Notre Dame. Read all about it still at InsideIndieSports.com. Our Twitter question of the day from yesterday. Of these Notre Dame players, who do you believe could benefit the most from the Sun Bowl? Your choices were quarterback Steve Angeli, offensive tackle Charles Jagasso, linebacker Jalen Sneed, and the cornerback combination of Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray. You voted for Charles Jagasso. Jagasso. All right. Marcus even mentioned in this press conference, show us you're the left tackle of the future. I like it. Well, he won the vote. 43.6% believe that the starting left tackle could benefit the most from his play in the Sun Bowl. Second in the voting at 33.4%, quarterback Steve Angeli. And again, it may not benefit him for his Notre Dame future. Could help him somewhere else down the line. Linebacker Jalen Sneed got 18.3% of the vote. And I'll tell you what, Mickey and Gray got fourth at 4.7%, but they've shown a lot of great play this year when given the opportunity. I think we all feel think pretty it, good. Yeah, I think everybody kind of thinks. That's eh, no problem. Yeah, no problem that they're going to step right in next year. And that would be my expectation. Me as well. I mean, you, you neither one of them 6'3", like Cam Hart, but they're very good cornerbacks. All right, so we thank you for voting. Here is today's question. And I switched it around a little bit from the email I sent you, Eric. I went to our traditional <clears throat> excuse me, Twitter question before an Irish game. What is the correct Notre Dame-Oregon State parlay for the Sun Bowl? 
Notre Dame is now only a six-point favorite over Oregon State. It was six and a half. So your choices are Notre Dame minus six and over 41 and a half total points in the game. Choice number two, Notre Dame laying six and the game goes under 41 and a half. I think that would be our choices, correct, by our score predictions? I had 26 to 19, so I'm actually oh, A. Oh, oh, that's right. You are. All right, so you're and A. And not I'm feeling B. super confident about that. It could be an Iowa game. I think you're right. There's going to be some quirky touchdown score that's going to change it from under to over. All right. Also, Oregon State plus six over 41 and a half. Oregon State plus six under 41 and a half. You can place your vote right now at Twitter X on my account at 960 Sportsbeat. Our Sportsbeat, InsideIndieSports.com, Twitter question of the day. All right. We need to switch the music up, cut that music, and go to the good stuff. Uh, there we go. So, InsideIndieSports.com is where you find all of the work of Eric Hansen, Tyler James, and crew. And what will folks find not only today, but tomorrow and beyond? Tyler James is our busy guy down in El Paso today. He has a notebook. Mike Denbrock was Marcus Freeman's number one guy. Um, he also has the full transcript of Marcus Freeman's uh, press conference, including the part that wasn't on YouTube. Uh, we have a story on Chris Burgess, defensive end out of Chicago, making his decision with Notre Dame as a finalist and Alabama um, on January 6th. And much, much more podcasts, uh, chat transcripts, all, all things Notre Dame. Make it your sports section. There you go. Life's not so bad when you're choosing between Notre Dame and Alabama. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, Michigan is in the mix, too. I didn't want to. I, no, no, no. I'm not going to throw and them Ohio in the mix. State. Ohio State. <laughs> Those are his final four. <laughs> I don't know if we can put Michigan in the same class with Ohio State and Notre Dame and Alabama because of the things that are going on right Does now. Does Michigan already know who he's picking? Al <laughs> Michigan already knows the final score of the Alabama game, probably. I mean, they're just mystic. I'm just it's, kidding. Uh, we are just having fun. I'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Sounds great. Game Day Sportsbeat. He's Eric Kansen. I'm Darren Pritchett. We continue on with Sportsbeat next on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.